Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is learning to trust again. Many of us have trust issues. Some of us tried long and hard to trust untrustworthy people over and over again. We believe lies and promises never to be kept. Some of us try to trust people for the impossible. For instance, trusting a practicing alcoholic not to drink. You know, I see this you know, in my, in my family with people who are not in recovery, uh, taking things at face value. Um, you know, and, and I think that, that, that was a big part of not trusting um, anyone. But I think the other thing is at a certain point, I think Tony A talks about how we internalize our parents. I think my critical parent, which is just an amalgamation of a bunch of things, including parents, um, told me that I couldn't trust myself, you know, and using any mistake, big or small, as a reason not to uh, investigate, you know, and get out of the experiential cave. And it's just unbelievable, I think, about my years in recovery, how much, how important my fellows have been in terms of me trying things, you know, the kind of things that, you know, people in school would be, you don't know how to do it or whatever. And it's just kind of like funny. Um, it, it's just it, it, to try a different way of, of, of doing things, being things, you know, even like something as simple as like changing your tennis swing, you know, it's just kind of like the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't or however that saying goes. So anyways, uh, back to the reading. Some of us trusted our higher po- power inappropriately. Hmm. We trusted God to make other people do what we wanted, then felt betrayed when that didn't work out. Some of us were, wow, that is interesting. Yeah. Wow. I didn't really, I mean, I've done a lot of writing and obviously uh, this podcast and another. um, hmm. Some of us, we trusted God to make people do other people and then felt betrayed when that didn't work out. Yeah. Or like, you know, comparing to other families, you know, and who are... You know, I think the other thing is when you get isolation. I mean, we're all in some degree of pain and some degree of dysfunction, you know. Um, it's just until I get out, I can't confirm the things that I read in books. Some of us were taught that life couldn't be trusted, that we had to control and manipulate our way th- through. Most of us were taught inappropriately that we couldn't trust ourselves. In recovery, we're healing from our trust issues. We're learning to trust again. The first lesson in trust is this. We can learn to trust ourselves. We can be trusted. If others have taught us we cannot trust ourselves, they were lying. Addictions and dysfunctional systems make people lie. Stick with the winners. We can learn to appropriately trust our higher power. And God, you know, I think my sponsor has a saying, bless them, change me. Not to make people do what we wanted them to do, but to help us take care of ourselves and to bring about the best possible circumstances at the best possible times in our life. You know, a prayer, I think, to my higher power to help me remember to use the tools um, when life feels unmanageable. It may not be unmanageable, but when it feels unmanageable, those old tools of anger and avoidance, and, you know, I just don't need them anymore. There's just a better way, you know. We can trust the process of life and recovery. We do not have to control, obsess, or become hypervigilant. We may not always understand where we're going or what's being worked out in us, but we can trust that something good is happening. When we learn to do this, we are ready to learn to trust other people. When we trust our higher power and when we trust ourselves, we will know who to trust and what to trust that person for. Perhaps we always did. We just didn't listen closely enough to ourselves or trust what we heard. I think I stopped listening and only recently with work in the program and you know outside help such as Hoffman process, 
maybe, just maybe. I just remember this, this lady said, don't you trust, do you trust your intuition ever? And I was like, no. And I remember I worked with a coach and she said, the few times that you trust in your intuition, you've been right. And I think for that is to get still. You know, it's, it's meditation and prayer. Uh, today, I will affirm that I can learn to trust appropriately. I can trust my higher power, my recovery, and myself. I can learn to appropriately trust others, you know, those who have proven time and time again that they can be trusted, you know. And I've had my guard of being abandoned, and that has, you know, led to intimacy issues and things like that, or avoidance of intimacy. This readings and, you know, the support group and everything is just, it's just... What a gift. The next reading also comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is being enough. We're not always clear about what we're experiencing or why. In the midst of grief, transition, transformation, learning, healing, or discipline, it's difficult to have perspective. That's because we have not learned the lesson yet. We're in the midst of it. The gift of clarity has not arrived. Our need to control can manifest as a need to know exactly what's going on, right? Yeah, so I can like plan on all these bizarre hypotheticals, you know, going on a date and trying to figure out what's going on in someone's mind, etc., etc., etc. We cannot always know. Sometimes we need to let ourselves be and trust that clarity will come later in respect, in retrospect. If we're confused, that is what we're supposed to be. The confusion is temporary. We shall see. The lesson, the purpose, shall reveal itself in time, in its own time. It will all make perfect sense later. Today, I will stop straining to know what I don't know to see what I can't see, to understand what I don't yet understand. I will trust that being is sufficient and let go of my need to figure things out. Yes, I think a lot of times I'm much more concerned with figuring things out rather than, you know, setting an intention, you know, of like, you know, you know, why do that when your mind is consumed with figuring things out rather than this part of, you know, acceptance. You know, I, I, one of my favorite things was, I remember Magic Johnson, I just love basketball. Magic Johnson got the HIV virus, he announced that he retired. And I just remember at that point, everybody thought that, you know, uh, that was a death sentence. And I remember Magic going, I'm gonna beat this, and I'm gonna have fun doing it. And I never forgot that. And I just, because I was like, you're gonna beat this? I mean, there was so much misinformation and you're gonna have fun, but it was magic, you know, and, you know, Life doesn't have to be drudgery. I mean, recovery doesn't have to be drudgery. I mean, I think that was the thing that, you know, when I do my in-depth inventories, I really did enjoy a lot of things as a kid. Um, that I'm like, really, I enjoyed that? And I, I stopped enjoying things that, even things that I love as an adult. The next reading comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery, and the topic is therapy and the 12 steps. The miraculous combination of therapy and working the 12 steps set me free from the prison of my childhood playpen to explore and experience my real and unique self. And yeah, the miraculous combination of therapy and working the 12 steps. Part of trauma is that all or nothing thinking. So it was either therapy and then blame that or it was the steps and not have therapy. And I think I want a rich life and I have to get still and listen to that still small voice for what type of therapy, you know? Talk therapy for me is pretty useless, you know? I could probably just do this podcast and talk about it. Uh, the somatic healing has been great because I've got to learn how to uh, manage my emotions. Um, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, and the, the, the complex PTSD affects a lot of stuff, you know? You just, you can't, I mean, it's the, 
I love sports and certain people execute better down the stretch of, of a game and others don't. And it's not, it's really not often a matter of skill. I mean, you can see it coming too. Back to the reading. When we first came to, and, and you know, I'm starting to really open my mind up to affirmations, visualizations, you know, not just meditation and exercise and reading. In fact, I really need to try an experiment. We're on experiment of one. And, you know, I think whether it's nutrition or whatever, there's no one size fits all. And my perfectionism really hurt, got in the way of my learning, which is hilarious. Because who cares? Like nobody's grading anybody on anything, you know? Um, Back to the reading. When we first came to ACA, some of us found it confusing and disorder. You know, I think about that with the ADHD, for example. Um, yeah, it was a hindrance during work, uh, during getting grades because you didn't act the way they, they fucking wanted you to act. But, you know, I never once thought that that could be a superpower and an advantage, you know, if I, like, worked hard to figure that out, you know. And that's becoming more responsible as an adult. You know, it gets back to that line from Melody Beatty about we were victims, or we are not victims, we were victimized. And Pia Melody with dysfunctional versus accountable. Back to the reading. When we first came to ACA, some of us found it confusing and disorienting, but somehow comfortable. Wow, nailed it. We may have taken a while to get started on working the steps, but when we did, we saw changes in ourselves. Yeah, I looked at the promises the other day and I was like, wow. It was so heartening that we were finding our true identity. Sometimes, though, we wondered if we would need help beyond what we could ask of our fellow travelers. We heard others occasionally mention that they saw a therapist and that combining therapy with ACA was really helping them. I wonder if combining coaching with ACA is really helping. Back to the reading. We were surprised when a fellow traveler pointed out chapter 16 in the Big Red Book, ACA and Therapy. And this is what, to me, separates the Big Red Book from... You know, I love the big book. I love the 12 and 12, but that was written in the 1930s. And, you know, Bill was just a master creative person of, you know, just seeing the links between different things. And, and uh, you know, you don't think that <laughs> there would have been stuff on trauma, especially the emotional sobriety piece. Anyways, back to the reading. Uh, before long, we realized that because we found a therapist who understood adult child issues, and I think that's the thing. It was all working. Maybe we didn't find someone on the first try. For sure. But we had the courage to keep trying until we did. We now see, you know, that reminds me of how courageous I am. You know, I, it's not something I own, but, you know, we now see our recovery process move faster and deeper. Our courage in taking a risk is paying off. We feel gratitude that we love ourselves enough to seek this kind of help. On this day, I will pause to reflect on, on the value that therapy can have for my journey to help me find my true, my unique true self. And, you know, I just think it out loud, I guess the kind of person I want is a somatic person, someone who's familiar with Pete Walker. Um, and it's got to be some, you know, the body keeps the score. And intellectually, I know that, but I don't live my life that way, you know. Uh, there is a serious limitation of reading because it can get me out of touch with who I really am. And, you know, I'm in these programs to, to discover and live my true self. The final reading comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery. Really strong readings today. Authority figures. Abuse from authority figures in childhood has left us on guard as adults about authority figures. We tend to place people in the category of authority figure where they may not be such a person. Yeah, at some point, I just put everyone in that. And, you know, the other thing is just like the, the, the transference, you know. And that's why I think Werner Earhart, who was like, I think he founded EST and then Lamarck and then... Um, you know, he said, until you resolve your issues with your family, everything will be about your family. Um, yeah, and the question is how. Um, 
Back to the reading. Fear of authority figures in our adult life can add unnecessary stress when old fears get triggered. Yeah, I guess it's not performance anxiety so much as like being scared of, you know, when a quote-unquote adult is in the room. As children, many of us were always on guard to not displease our parent or to find a hiding place when danger was present. One or both parents may have been experts at creating real or imagined fear in us. Yeah, my dad. Routinely, we now encounter others who have authority over us, either because of our jobs or theirs. And that's so weird because, I mean, I'm just in a, in a, in a, in a hot field and, uh, you know, I still feel like, terrified. But at the same point, part of it is we don't just run every time either. You know, is, it, is this based on fear or based on something that, like, lights my face up? Like, that's, that's the question, right? Back to the reading. Routinely, we now encounter others who have authority over us, either because of our jobs or theirs. Some of us also allow people to assume an authority role because we're afraid of conflict. Yeah, definitely. Or getting the approval of everyone before making a decision. It can feel daunting when, when a parking attendant tells us we can't park there or a sales clerk tries to talk us into a different purchase. Our goal in recovery is to recognize these situations for what they are and learn to act as adults. Usually negative transference, but it could also be positive transference, putting someone on the pedestal. You know, the, you know, the you know, all or nothing thinking can also like look at the you know parents you know and the the reality of what I learned in Hoffman process is we're like the combination of both of our parents back to the reading to gain control of our lives when we interact with someone in authority we now do a quick internal check are we feeling fearful angry resentful or timid are we putting our alcoholic parents face on this person if so we stop and examine the situation from a new perspective the inter- interaction may not be pleasant, but it's not our childhood coming back to life. You know, it's, and I've got to remind myself, you're safe now. I mean, you're safe now. On this day, I will recognize when I'm responding to authority figures with childhood reactions. I will allow, I will now approach things from a new perspective as a recovering adult. And I think this, my nightly inventory, I think is much more about what I did right, what Byron Katie did, um, spot check inventory can be done at whatever time, and where did I have transference? If it's historical, it's hysterical. And that really, I mean, what, what does that mean? It means that, to me, that where the trauma came from. Anyways, that is the final reading for today's episode of Recovering My Inner Child. Some awesome readings. Until next time, this is Kawan Saluja reminding myself to recognize positive and negative transference. To realize God is the only authority figure. And to concentrate on being rather than how other people will act.